From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, emetropization, focusing on the periphery, part two. We found that uh, the myopic regression uh, in the eye wearing the dual focus lens was, a, was between uh, a half and 60% of that in the eye wearing the conventional contact lens. First this, as seen from here is committed to education free from commercial bias. Dr. Phillips holds an inventor's patent for the design of the lens described in this study. As seen from here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month, but the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast, already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. This is part two of my podcast on emetropization with Dr. John Phillips. We pick up where we left off at the end of the last podcast. Now, John, just just to sort of take something off the table here, let me let me ask you this. Is there evidence that myopia progression is different in single vision distance contact lens wearers from single vision distance spectacle wearers? Is wearing a contact lens itself something that would influence the progression of myopia differently from if the child were to wear exclusively spectacles? There are two answers to that question. One is the, one is the, the, uh, the results of the studies that have been done up to now, because people have certainly looked at that question, and up to now, studies have found no difference, no statistical difference in the actual growth rates of children wearing spectacles and or myopia progression rates of children wearing spectacles and children wearing contact lenses, whether that's uh, RGP lenses or, it's not strictly true for RGP lenses, but RGP lenses or uh, soft contact lenses. RGP lenses are, are, there's a confounding effect, of course, in that they potentially alter the uh, corneal radius. But anyway, nobody has conclusively shown that it's better to wear contact lenses uh, than spectacles if you want to slow myopia regression. But actually, this is a bit surprising uh, that, 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 that they haven't found a difference because uh, people have measured the, the peripheral refraction in contact lens wearers and in spectacle lens wearers in, in different studies uh, and, un- and uncorrected. And, in, and what appears to happen is that contact lenses alter the shape of the image plane and cause the peripheral refraction to be um, anterior, the, the peripheral focal plane to be anterior to the retina uh, in the periphery, even though it's actually on the retina in the fovea. And other studies have shown that if you do the same peripheral measures with children wearing spectacles or people wearing spectacles, in fact, the peripheral refraction in the refraction in the periphery uh, implies that the focal plane is posterior to the retina, which would be, uh, according to the animal studies, would actually cause myopia progression. So, so the, the, in, the shape of the image shell with contact lenses and the spectacles is different. And um, you would expect that 
one would expect that uh, contact lenses would, if you believe the peripheral fraction story, would be beneficial in slowing myopia progression. But nobody, uh, up until now, I don't think anybody has really shown that that's the case. No, I, I, I understand what, what you're saying, that through the relative peripheral defocus that's induced by contact lens wear as opposed to spectacle wear, that one might expect um, less progression of myopia with these patients. But John, at, at the same time, particularly for highly myopic patients, the amount of accommodation that they need to exert to see an object at any distance is going to be less with spectacles than with contact lenses. So, I mean, it kind of cuts both ways. I think that's true. Uh, I, I, I agree. Um, and I think, you know, the, the <laughs> what I'm saying is, is, is absolutely a, a rather simplified um, statement about the actual functional situation. Um, so uh, what the true peripheral, the status of the, of the refraction in the peripheral, what, what it truly is in life, um, is it may, may well be not what it is in the laboratory. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. John, what was the design of, of this study? It was quite a complicated study design. Uh, it, it was really devi- derived from animal studies. Uh, originally, uh, I, I'm actually a, a physiologist uh, originally, and um, I do quite a lot of um, animal studies. And it, the study design was a prospective, randomized, and it was a paired eye control study, which is uh, quite a powerful uh, study design, uh, with crossover. And it was a relatively small study on 40 children over 20 months. And the reason we could get away uh, with, and with, with a small number of children was because of the paired eye control uh, study design. So, so in this study design, children were randomly assigned to wear the dual focus lens uh, in either the dominant or the non-dominant eye uh, in, the, in the period before crossover. And in the eye that was not wearing the dual focus lens, in other words, in the contralateral eye, the contralateral eye wore a standard uh, single vision distance contact lens with exactly the same parameters as the dual focus lens, apart from the fact that it didn't have any treatment zones. 10 to 14-year-old children, uh, mean sphere refraction between uh, minus 1.25 diopters and minus 450 diopters. Um, we had to ensure that the children were actually progressing, uh, otherwise we wouldn't have anything to, to test our effect. And so we ensured that the children were progressing by at least half a diopter in the, in the previous year. Uh, the children had to have uh, 6.6 or 20-20 vision in each eye. And, of course, they had to be prepared to wear contact lenses for at least eight, eight hours a day. Some 10-year-olds, some the parents of some 10-year-olds, of course, uh, question that. Um, the exclusion criteria were, were uh, no astigmatism greater than uh, 1.25 diopters, no anisometropia greater than a diopter, and no strabismus or, or any other ocular um, pathology. Just to, to, to clarify things in terms of what the crossover meant. If this lens were indeed to reduce the progression of myopia, then one would expect to see this. One would expect to see in the eye with the, the dual focus lens a, uh, a relatively slower increase in myopia than in the fellow eye, which is wearing a single vision distance lens. And then at, at the, the midway point at which 
you have the patient switch lenses so that uh, the, the eye that had been wearing the, the study lens was now wearing a, a single vision lens and uh, 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 vice versa, one would expect to see an acceleration uh, if this lens were to prove out, uh, an acceleration in, uh, of myopia in the eye that had been treated but now was wearing just a single vision lens and then also a reduction in the progression of myopia in the eye that was now wearing the the treatment lens, the the dual focus lens. Yeah, right. I, I, I just I, I just want to kind of kind of set things things up because as 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 you said, the the study design was was complicated, and I I just want um, I, I uh, just want to make our, our subsequent conversation a little easier um, okay. to to digest. So, John, what did you find? Well, um, we found that uh, the myopia progression, whether you measured it as change in refraction or change in uh, axial eye length over time, uh, in the eye wearing the dual focus lens was, a, was between uh, a half and 60% of that in the eye wearing the conventional contact lens. So uh, progression was definitely slower in the dual focus lens, um, in the eyes wearing the dual focus lens compared with the eye wearing the single vision lens. This has to be qualified a little because, in fact, the progression rates of the children, of the 40 children, were actually extremely variable. Some children didn't progress at all, and some children progressed at a rate of about one and a half doctors a year. And so uh, deciding what the effectivity of the lens actually was um, is difficult, and, that, and that's why I've expressed it kind of as a, as a proportion rather than in saying that, oh, it reduces um, progression by a diopter a year or anything like that. Uh, it, the amount that the, the, its effectivity is dependent upon the actual progression rate that would have been occurring. And um, so, that, so, so we, found, we found that the dual focus lenses were about as effective in slowing myopia progression as uh, orthokeratology has been shown to be. Now, John, I... I understand why you, you, you chose not to have any eyes in this study that, that, um, that were not treated at some point uh, with the dual focus contact lens because you didn't want to, uh, to induce any an isometropia in, in, the, in the kids. So let, let, right. me, let me ask, ask this. After the period of crossover, myopia progression accelerated in, in the eyes, in, in, a, in a relative sense, in the eyes that switch from a dual focus to a single focus distance contact lens. Do you have any sense of whether this accelerated progression brought the eyes up to the expected level of, of myopia in untreated peers? Uh, that, that's right. I mean, part of the problem is because this is a paired eye control study, <coughs> we didn't have a control group of untreated children. Uh, and, that, and that is, uh, although this study design has some major advantages, um, it has it has disadvantages as well. As well, <clears throat> and and I guess the disadvantage is that I I can't really answer your question. I can only kind of tell you what I what I, my feeling is, and um, uh, my feeling is that it, the the variability uh, was so great that it would really be it would really be uh, impossible to say whether. There had been any permanent slowing, uh, permanent reduction um, after the 
at the end of the study and whether that was permanent and, and remained after the study. <coughs> I, I, unfortunately, I think that it probably, um, the answer is probably no, rather like atropine, the atropine studies. When the treatment is removed, um, the eyes um, potentially accelerate back to what they would have been doing anyway. Um, however, of course, this does, um, this does is, uh, mean that an optical device uh, has some advantages over a uh, pharmaceutical intervention. And that is because um, the optical device, of course, can be worn for many years. Um, people are very familiar with the um, effects of contact lens wear. Uh, they can be on the lookout for um, problems. Uh, and, and, of course, they're very safe. Uh, we know basically that what the side effects of, of contact lens wear, wear are, and so they can be worn for many years, and so they can man maintain a, a um, an inhibitory effect uh, while the appliance is being worn. Um, whereas, if you want to maintain the effect with a, with a pharmaceutical agent, at least up until now, you would have to continue to instill the drops uh, for a very long period of time. But to answer your question, I think probably the answer is that the effect goes away when the contact lenses are removed. Right, but that, that, the, that the plan from a therapeutic standpoint going forward, if this were something to be, to be used ther therapeutically, obviously there's not going to be any, any cross, crossover period. You're just going to keep the uh, kids on these, on these lenses. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So granted that different myopia studies deal with genetically, socioeconomically, and environmentally different populations, and, and therefore it's really difficult to, to compare these studies, how do you think this study compares with some of the other studies that have been done, like, like the Adams study? Well, in terms of the ability to slow myopia progression, uh, dual-focus lenses are, are not as effective as, as atropine. But as I've just said, they can be worn for many years. Uh, I think people would question the, the, um, how sensible it was to install atropine for many years to slow myopia progression. Compared with orthokeratology, uh, I think the ability to slow uh, axial elongation is about the same with dual focus lenses as it is with uh, orthokeratology um, lenses. But again, as you say, there have been uh, there are different genetic groups of people who've been recently all tested on. Uh, and so these are just um, order of magnitude or, or, or somewhat better than order of magnitude, but they are estimates of the equivalent effectivity. They're, they're not. It's inappropriate at the moment to uh, compare them numerically too closely, I think, because of the two of the other confounding factors. Now, John, have, having learned what, what you've learned in, in this study and sort of stepping back uh, from it, let, let, let me sort of set this, this up. Let's say that tomorrow in, in, your, in your own practice, a highly myopic couple comes in uh, with concerns about myop uh, uh, about myopia progression in in their child, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm, I'm an academic, essentially, although I'm an optometrist, and um, we've actually just opened a specialist myopia control clinic in our university huh. optometry clinic. So indeed, we we deal with people uh, like this. I have to say that this has only been open for a month or two, so we don't have a huge amount of. Uh, experience concentrating or specializing on, on, on um, 
on controlling myopia. Um, but you raise a very good point, which is that, that, that we have parents who are both uh, high myopes coming in for advice, and of course that raises the issue that of course it's a bit very important in in tr in treating in, in trying to control myopia generally that uh, you you do it on appropriate patients. In other words, they, they've got to be progressing or they've got to be at risk of progressing. Um, and clearly, uh, children of um, two myopic parents uh, would be at great risk of significant myopic progression. So they would they would definitely be uh, people who we would. And attempt to help. Uh, another issue would be ethnicity. People of East Asian origin typically um, seem to um, progress and seem to suffer from, from uh, higher levels of myopia progression than um, European people of European or other uh, ethnic uh, origins. And so uh, selecting the correct patients is important. Um, we make several measures um, that are not standard in optometric practice uh, when we see people, uh, including uh, psychopedic autorefraction on everybody. Uh, we measure peripheral refraction uh, on everybody, uh, only at 30 degrees off axis, though. Um, we measure ocular biometry, we measure anterior chamber depth, lens, vitreous chamber, uh, and that sort of thing with non contract, with a non contact device. And then uh, once we've, de once we've decided and, and, um, and uh, spoken to the parents, we offer a number of options. And uh, our preferred option, if the level of astigmatism isn't too great, is to offer um, a treatment with a dual focus lens um, because this is now available, commercially available as a daily disposable soft contact lens, which is um, a very uh, child-friendly form of therapy. Uh, we also offer orthokeratology, uh, which is a lot more involved, but of course has other advantages, particularly if children want to play a lot of sport and that sort of thing, which of course they do in New Zealand and, and Australia, and of course in America and, and many other places. Um, and But of course if uh, children are not interested, or their parents are not interested in them wearing contact lenses, then we have a number of, a small number of spectacle-based options. Uh, one is the uh, uh, Zeiss uh, Myovision lens. Um, another, of course, is traditional um, uh, progressive edition lenses for a subset of, of children. Uh, and we have also been looking at and trying um, alternating monovision as a way of slowing myoprogression. That is, uh, providing two pairs of spectacles, um, uh, essentially, in each pair, one of the eyes is undercorrected, and the spectacles are worn basically on alternate days, so that on, on alternate days, one of the eyes experiences sustained myopic defocus in an attempt to slow myopic progression. Cool. <clears throat> so those are the things that those are the options that we we offer. Um, we at the moment uh, are not using atropine. Um, we are. We would like to use perenzepine, which is a which is another um, uh, muscarinic uh, blocker, but we, we, that's not available to us um, as a standard um, as a standard option in New Zealand. John, de dealing with the same couple, uh, how young uh, would be too young for you to want to 
intervene? And, and, and more importantly, how, how old uh, would be too old for, for the age of the child um, for you to want to, to address the myopic progression? I think it depends on the uh, uh, the option that we that we decide upon, and of course the option would actually be modified by the side of by the age of the child. Uh, I, I well, we think that uh, children of eight years old can wear soft contact lenses, particularly daily disposable soft lenses. Um, so we could uh, we, we could we could treat children of eight years and over with with um, daily disposable soft dual focus lenses, as, uh, and possibly orthokeratology, although eight years is, is pretty young for orthokeratology. We, we, we normally have a sort of uh, ten, uh, an age of 10 years as the youngest that we would treat uh, children with, with, with orthokeratology. For spectacle uh, interventions, of course, uh, if the child's wearing spectacles, it, it, there is no real age limit either way. Um, as far as too old is concerned, I think that really depends on the rate at which they're progressing. Um, if we have a 16-year-old who's progressing at a diopter a year, then we will endeavour to help them, certainly. Um, there are a number of our students, of course, optometry students who are, you know, in their early 20s who are still progressing. And we would consider, we'd consider helping them as well. So I think it, the, the upper age limit really depends on the rate at which the, which the person is progressing. I think the lower end really depends upon the... Um, how conservative one wants to be about about fitting children with with, with, with contact lenses. John, if one of the listeners to the podcast wants to try out this 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 lens to recommend this lens uh, to uh, patients in the in the right setting, uh, is is this lens being manufactured now and 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 under under what name uh, would would uh, would someone find this? If the lens. Um, uh, it's been manufactured by CooperVision. Uh, it's called a MySight lens, M-I-S-I-G-H-T lens. Um, it was launched in Hong Kong in the end of 2009, beginning of 2010. Um, it's now becoming available in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we can prescribe it in our clinic. I don't think it's, you'd have to ask CooperVision, but I don't think it uh, is yet available in Europe or the United States. John, thank you very much. Good to talk to you, John. John Phillips comes to us from the Department of Optometry and Vision Science at the University of Auckland in Auckland, New Zealand. His paper, Effect of Dual-Focus Soft-Contact Lenswear on Axial Myopia Progression in Children, appears in the June 2011 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Phillips or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.